This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Shake them ropes. Jeff Hawkins, Chris Novembrino. It's been an interesting week. It is just... Chris, this Q2 call, which, by the way, if you do not do not listen to WrestleNomics on Voices of Wrestling, Brandon Thurston, the Bodhisattva of Buffalo, breaks it down great. Breaks down all the financials, breaks down the conference call, breaks down everything. But Chris, if I am Vince McMahon, I am calling every wrestling podcaster... Call him a Haw- which one are you, Hawkins? Oh yeah, you know that show would be better with Novembrino and and, and McCarran doing it. No, come in. Here. You see that wheelbarrow over there? You know what's in there? My cojones. Oh, I want you to kiss my cojones in that wheelbarrow, Hawkins. Do it, do it, cause you're wrong on everything. Oh, Chris, we are worried about what. Ratings. Why are you kissing cojones? Why? We, what? We, what, oh, what is making you kiss these cojones? Oh, oh, because because. In, in the stage of a pandemic when you should be having the worst business, you do four times the estimated profit, Chris. Four times the estimated, estimated profit. I and, mean, particularly as you're looking at the GDP numbers that just came out here on Friday, for WWE to have financials this strong, they're going in the opposite direction oh. of the general market. Oh, so sorry, sorry, I'm gonna have my weepy thought piece in variety saying Vince McMahon really needs to worry about storytelling because the ratings are going down. Chris, I'm just I'm dying here because I'm wrong too. Trust me, because I think we need to turn this around. But no, he has the lowest ratings possibly in the history of Raw, maybe close to it. And He's doing four times the profit. I <laughs> put some adobo on those hockets. I'm just I'm here here's the thing I think maybe we're not realizing when we talk about falling ratings. On the USA Network, I think Raw is still the number two overall show on their well, network. Well, okay, so this is a thing I have been talking about. When I've been asking you, like, what are the numbers that the lead-in does going into Dynamite? What are the numbers that the lead-in does going into USA? Because the real question here is, how many people are just, you know, couch potatoes who sit there and just watch whatever the USA Network cranks out all day? How many people will just leave this stuff on? And and I don't see, when we talk about the demo or any of that stuff or just the overall numbers, I don't think it's really being accounted for, like, what does Chris Lee knows best or whatever leads That's into That's the number it. one show on USA. Oh, hey, look, Those, look. That, that, uh, that, that Chris Lee. ass interior designer, whatever the hell he was, and his kids who are dumb as wallpaper and they're trying to. They're just and, and his mom, who, who, who likes to drink. Yeah, oh, yeah. I need another just, mojito or whatever that, her tagline that is. That show does pro wrestling better than pro wrestling. It's this is what work. we were talking about several weeks ago with the swingification of pro wrestling and like how it got harvested out for parts a little bit. And Chris Lee knows best is essentially doing a pro wrestling arc and they do a season long arc. So you like, you know, you get these or like a multi episode arc with stuff. Like they know how to build stuff up and do like short term stories and long term stories all layered up and serialized. 
Those kids. Good would, old Chrisley. Those kids would lose Celebrity Jeopardy to a sack of hammers and Wolf Blitzer. That's a. <laughs> oh jeez. Oh. Here's the thing, though. I think. I think we have discounted just how niche entertainment is right now, where you can survive and be a hit if you only have one and a half million fans watching your show every week. That's good in this environment of streaming and other things. It's not a world where five million makes you a, makes you a modest hit. One million now makes you a modest hit. And no one is ever going to do mash numbers again. And yeah. what's crazy to look back on some of those numbers from the 1970s well, even the is the U.S. population was like about half of what it is now. So when you think about how television viewership has atomized and we've gotten more niche, as you were saying, you can see that by just looking at like some of these big television specials and they do like 30 million homes. That I mean, that's something did 30 million homes. It would have to be the Super Bowl at this point, right? Yeah. Pretty much. The Super Bowl and whatever show follows the Super Bowl. Are you there? I'm here. Okay. Yeah. I, Sorry, I don't know I thought, what I show follows. I thought you had a follow-up to that. My fault. No, no. no I, here, yeah, I don't I don't have a follow-up to the Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, the Pro Bowl? You think, do, I don't, they don't lead off with the Pro Bowl no, after the Super Bowl. No, the World Series. You know, those, those kind of, those, you know, the finals of the NCAA tournament, if they're teams that are popular, you know, those types of things that are event TV, but... I listen to the, the conference call or the investors call and you have, you know, people, well, there are some concerns about the sliding ratings. Where are you doing? And Vince is just, Vince is in pure baseball pitcher cliche mode from Bull Durham. We're going to take it one game at a time. Oh, we know we need to build new stars. And, you know, we, we've, we've been in the family storytelling business for over 30 years now. So we really know what we're doing here. I'm just like, God, we are, we're, we're just going to get it from all sides until, until this company, until Vince dies pretty much. And, and as soon as you guys get, get that through our, all of our collective thick skulls, We'll be much better. Well, until okay, then, you so, kiss no, the cojones. Here's, here's what then, I think Chris, we need to be looking kiss, for. You kiss the cojones in the wheelbarrow. because No, that's it's a for. different way of looking at the ratings, right? So what you need to do is you need to look into the lead-in to Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, whatever it is. And then you need to look at what the show does after AEW, after NXT, whatever. Are people tuning in for this show or are they not? Don't look at the 100,000 components. Uh, look at the difference um, from the baseline rather than just this overall total number. And I think to that extent, there has been a real misreading of these numbers and, you know, looking in at micro sections of the numbers and these sorts of things rather than seeing the big forest. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm amazed. I, I'm because I thought all these thought pieces and oh, we're worried about the sliding ratings and stuff. And Vince just comes in and does the same shtick he does on every call. Oh, we know we need to make new stars. Oh, we think we've had some good investments here. Oh, we, we're you know we're looking into these things. Oh, we were socially active. It's the same damn conference. Call. Kiss the cojones, all of you. Kiss them. 
Well, yeah, if they are showing a profitable company, they're fine. I think, you know, where's the danger zone? The danger zone is if they dip beneath the baseline. Um, And I don't think, I think the media analysis needs to be looking for that the next time they want to start writing an obituary for WWE. Oh, and let, let's let's take the other cojone here and talk about all these cuts because, you know, businesses have to be streamlined in order to make a profit in this environment. Nah, we just did it to screw with people who tried to hold us up for money. That's what we did. Look at us. Uh, oh, and we're going to fire Bob from accounting while we're at it. Because you know what? We can get rid of some overhead while we're here. They they did. Lance Storm, go sell your wrestling school. <laughs> then we're going to furlough you. Nigel McGuinness, stay in England. <laughs> Just, I, you look at this and they go, they, they And they ended up using the federal government unemployment program as a way of giving them a severance package. They're like, oh, that's in place? Yeah. Cool, we're going to let you go. You, you All deal the with cojones. That. All the cojones are here. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know, we're going to plead poverty and have four times the profit. Oh. God, I'm just, I'm, I'm dying here is how, how this happened. And everybody's just looking at this and going, he's a, he's a mad genius. You gotta tip the cap, even though he's such a scumbag. I mean, I think that's the thing that drives a lot of people insane with Vince McMahon is that like, he absolutely 100% does not need to conduct himself in the way that he does. And yet he does anyways. If you were looking at any normal business and you say, yes, I'm going to eliminate 75% of your watching audience, make the product not cool. I'm going to run a few shows here without going on the road when audience participation is, is partial to the popularity of my product. You'd say, okay, you're, you're not going to, you're going to see a dip in, nah, and four, oh, by the way, he was fighting all of these changes all throughout. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the craziest thing is he was not, you know, turning into the skid. He was actively trying to fight his way out of the skid, and there's no penalty, seemingly. If I'm him, I never do another house show again. Oh, yeah, no, no. I, I, why? What's the point? I might not even do another Raw and SmackDown again. If it costs that much, it cuts that much into the profit. Just, just make the PC the WWE arena and just have people come in as tourists or whatever, or maybe a few shows here and there, but this travel. Oh, no, I'd retape a whole bunch of these things. Yeah, I'd make it an event. You come in, you can see, like, two NXT shows get taped, uh, and, you know, maybe maybe three or, you know, whatever it is. They, but I would get into the business of pre-taping stuff. Because, it doesn't matter if it's Because live. the old model was they travel the country, and you know what? You never know when they're going to come back here again to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, or, you know, Boise, Idaho. But na- but nobody goes to those anymore. They just watch it on TV because there's so much product anyways. They don't want to go out and see it live after that for the most part. I, yeah, <laughs> we could pre- yeah, we're going to go back to old wrestling where we're pre-taping shows in advance. That'd be great. Why not? I, I mean, it, like, look, the money's right. Yeah. Yeah, you just, in right now with you know, his people, he just imports in an audience. And are you really missing a whole lot with not having a real crowd there chanting along? Well, they're still not planning in advance. That's the thing. It, I mean, that, that's the crazy. <laughs> well, so, so then you look at that and you go, geez, Louise, Jeff, they're profitable and they're writing a pretty crappy show. Imagine if they were actually writing generally watchable product from week to week. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where, man, this would be all in on 
central planning and having a through line and having dude if they did that they might actually have a hot product that's gonna make them a decent amount of money too yeah maybe i don't know any other i mean hot hot in a relative sense uh, a product that people are excited about rather than a product that's uh just out there product that's putting smiles on people's faces Uh, where, where would you like to start this week in wrestling do we want to go oh, is there any AEW? other news that we need to get into? Uh, uh, okay, yeah, because there was a there was a big quote unquote big story we missed last week that has uh, rectified this Adam Cole, Pat uh, Mc uh, McAfee, McAfee thing. Is this possibly the worst worked angle that didn't go anywhere? Because <laughs> they basically just quashed it on NXT. Because it got absolutely no traction whatsoever because everybody saw right through it. I yeah, think. just it had, I mean, it went from zero to 60 really fast. But I don't think that they quashed it. I think that McAfee and Cole still have unfinished business. Like the way I, at least that was my takeaway from the recap package. Here's Here's the problem to me is that everybody's way ahead of the pro wrestler who gets angry at a, at a normal sports jock guy for being talked down to and stuff like that. But everybody also knows that McAfee's a big WWE guy. So didn't he try to actually train and get into WWE at some point? I, I don't know if he did. I know he was doing, uh, he was doing NXT pre-shows. Yeah, I remember he was. I thought he was like in the system at some point. Maybe I have him he confused with somebody I know, else. I know there were a couple football players. I don't know if uh, I don't know if a punter would be, but maybe. I mean, he has the height, and he can talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I, they need a little bit of juice down there, and clearly there's a renewed focus on the undisputed era going on. So I, I don't know. I mean, it was not a hot angle. I just it was unconvincing, and Adam Cole. He has a hard time, in a weird way, he has a hard time being mean to other people. Um, He's good at being a smug heel, and he's good at being a heel champion. But the cruel thing is not really his character. It's not really what he does. Eddie Kingston signed by AEW. Good. Uh, Yeah, a a, a fine move. A fine move. Absolutely. And uh, the only other news, big news I have is... uh, this was officially Kyrie Sane's swan song in WWE. Um, I think they underutilized her, but of course, we always give the caveat if used correctly on people. But uh, I mean, she did get an NXT Women's Title reign. <laughs> I know you mean well by saying that, but she was the best wrestler in the world when she signed. And yeah, but I'm also tempering expectations of like. Being on the main roster in the women's division doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot. They never should have brought her up. They never should have brought her up. No, no, the NXT Women's Championship over the last decade has been the real women's workers' Mm -hmm. belt. Yeah. And when you get called up onto the main roster, 
Yeah, the paycheck is better, absolutely, but the booking is inconsistent, there's no long form to it, you get your best angles, your most interesting stories, Sasha Banks had her best angles and best stories and most emotional moments as the NXT Women's Champion, Yes. so did Bailey. yeah, I mean, as a babyface, and you just, like, you can go through a litany of wrestlers who they ended up getting onto the main roster, and you do natty stuff on the main roster or if you're ethnic you're you're matched with other people of your same ethnicity it's always the way that they that's just how they view people yeah and i think down in nxt you can do more interesting things so it's not i mean it's not that i'm meaning well i'm also just kind of really sober-minded at this point of what quote-unquote opportunities in the women's division on the main roster really entail. And I think that the track record is that you you really want to be the NXT Women's Champion. So, like, you know, when we're talking about Naomi last week, when people are like, oh, I think you're missing the boat on Naomi or whatever, I'm like, I think you're missing the boat on what the main roster's women's division is in terms of presentation. It's terribly inconsistent. This Bailey-Sasha thing is the most consistency the division's had in years. Yeah, and it's the first time they've had more than one or two stars that are really up. I mean, they have three legitimate stars in this division right now, and Sasha, Asuka, and now Bailey. Um, you used to have Charlotte, you had Ronda around, and then you had Becky eventually come around. But, yeah, they need to do this because Charlotte's out and Becky's out. And they had to build people, and look, I... I like Naomi. I just we've seen her as champ. I I I think, I, and, I, and that I, leads you back some, to Kyrie weird, Sane. It's some, like, so what do you do once they've been champion? Yeah, there's some weird blowback with Bailey, for some reason, um, because because people are like, well, there there's some, there was some through line this week where it's like, man, Sasha and Bailey have been around forever. Let's time time to give someone new a chance, <laughs> like. Dude, they're 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 the most interesting thing in re- in WWE right now, and you want to yank it out from under them to give Naomi and Mandy Rose. who is not someone new. Naomi was a funkadactyl before <laughs> Bailey and Sasha were even on the main roster. You know, Chris, the other funkadactyl has made their way back into wrestling. This is a perfect segue. To go and let's get through AEW because this okay, show. Uh, okay, all right, all right. I need to get some of my comments up that I sent you too because I, I I did not enjoy the show, Jeff. I hated it. It was the first one that I actually sat there and I went, "This is an actively bad show this week," and I will put a lot of my opinion on that on the fact that Jr. had to do the heavy lifting because Excalibur was off the show. Uh, might as well say this. Don't know yet if it was his volition or AEW's volition, but uh, some old promos of his from PWG back in the early aughts came up where he used some not-so-nice language. Um, and and so uh, he was kept off. So JR, who was not in any mood to call matches on Wednesday night, was asked to, to do matches, and boy, did the curmudgeon come through, and Taz couldn't save him, and Tony trying to give enthusiasm couldn't save him either. Yeah, and I mean, what he was watching was not great either. Like, 
So I made the choice this week. Jeff, you usually watch Dynamite first, and I usually go ahead and I watch NXT, but I decided to mix up my life this week, and I watched Dynamite. And boy, did I want to turn off Dynamite after that first match. If, if I had not emotionally committed to getting through Dynamite and then watching NXT this week just to mix up the mix... Uh, best friends Orange Cassidy and Luchasaurus uh, and Jungle Boy defeating Santana Ortiz, Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, and Sammy Guevara. This was indie-rific. The, like the the spots were all sloppy. Like the stuff between Luchasaurus and Jake Hager was silly. Um, Luchasaurus is losing his mask during this match. I, I mean, this was and just... commentary calling it out. Yes, and yes, and like having taking the piss out of it, right? Like having a good time. Oh, he's losing his face. He's losing his face. Like, dude, seriously. Commentary seriously? did this more than once, and I it really the one the the egregious one to me that just made me angry is you introduce Matt Cardona, the former Zack Ryder, in a big angle with Cody. On, on TV, and then later in the show, you're plugging action figures, and you're talking about Matt Cardona's love of action figures. Is there anything that makes you a bigger geek? That, uh, look, I know this sounds remotely 19, to 1980s-ish, and hey, we're all in wrestling together, and wrestling is fun, and, and oh, it should be, you know, everybody's kind of a nerd. I don't want... Big stars playing with toys. I'm sorry. If that makes me too old to watch wrestling, so be it. Well, let's step back here because you're bearing the lead. We have this man, Warhorse. Oh, well, no, that was something totally separate. Um, Chris, I, yeah, what did I miss on Warhorse? Because is this. I, I asked a friend of mine and he kind of uh, he kind of answered the way I thought he would but he I felt it, it felt like it wasn't the whole, is this an ironic gimmick that that we're all supposed to like orange Cassidy where we're all supposed to cheer for something even though it's not what we're watching you know, we're, I mean, we're, we're I don't. Watching... I don't feel like this is supposed to be ironic. That's the weird thing. I saw it's like, no war in Warhorse. I saw no. There was no <laughs> intensity, right? Like yeah. the guy has no fire. So, like, I mean, obviously, everyone's getting on the physique and the mismatch between this guy's look, which does have. I mean, it's obvious, but sometimes obvious is just right. It does have an Ultimate Warrior Kiss Demon Renegade vibe to it. Absolutely. Um, And I think the work rate from this guy was just, I mean, it was shaky. He has no stiffness, no intensity. He's like this heavy metal dude. He's and, coming like, out headbanging. He has yeah, Aaron Anderson, yeah. Anderson last week. We're going to war. Okay, Warhorse. Oh, there's going to, you know, everybody's like, I forgot the tagline of his, but man, oh, it's going down. Oh, we're going to see this brawl. Oh, Warhorse is coming in, and he comes in, and he does a wrestling match. I just went. Well, and they annou- the, the way they announced him, weighing 4,000 4, pounds of heavy yes. metal. Like, I mean, you look at this guy, and if he weighs over 200 pounds, I'd be amazed. Like, I, I, I feel He's like just, a Jim Cornette right now, Chris. I no, really but do. like it ma- it matters when you're doing this the this gimmick of like, you know, I'm the murderer and this guy comes out <laughs> and he doesn't look like he's the murderer. 
Comes out in a sweater vest. I don't know about that. (laughs) The murderer. Hi, guys. How you doing? Comes out looking like he comes out looking like Gilbert or something. Like murders numbers with his calculator. I I murder books in my spare time. I murder a couple every weekend. I love to read. I'm watching that match and I'm like. Last week, I saw Eddie Kingston take this dude to the limit, beating the crap out of him. And this week, we're getting a war horse. I'm I mean, that's the this. other thing, too. So, like, beyond the guy's look, which is shaky, then we get to the work, which was also shaky. And the story of the match, which was nowhere near as interesting as, like, a- Eddie Kingston or Ricky Starks or, like, any of the other matches that Cody has had, which I've had my own issues with. I don't, I, the tweener thing that Cody is doing leads to really kind of murky matches and like war horse is a really good example of this where it's like because cody was working the leg and working in this tweener space so he's working to set up the submission hold what does war horse do to fight back and the answer is not much he and, reverses uh, a figure four yeah immediately okay yeah that's fun but <laughs> i want to i want to punch somebody i mean i just want to see fire right like i want to see a dude running off the ropes like the ultimate warriors entrance i don't care that this guy's not as big as the ultimate warrior but the thing that made the warrior the warrior is not just the size the size was impressive but the fact that he was so big and had so much energy and you just in your head you had to imagine him doing awesome stuff in the ring at that level of intensity because he was gassed usually after the entrance the energy I, wasn't there the, you, you're nailing I, this go ahead right Sorry. I want the ultimate warrior energy coming from Warhorse and this guy was you know kind of sleepwalking his way through the match yeah he was he, he was a <laughs> he was a fine wrestler he I came just, off as in like a, as a uh Mid-card enhancement talent. Yeah, not ready for prime time. Definitely, for sure, for sure. But he was getting, like, that, like, little, like, he wasn't a job guy. He was getting, like, that extra shine that you give to the seven- to eight-minute job guy, like the Pez Watley type. Italian stallion, pistol pistol Pez Watley, Lasertron guy. Yeah, he was getting, like, that kind of treatment. But, like, the Cody matches have been used as a way of establishing people like and you know in the case of Eddie Kingston it worked in the case of Warhorse I don't know how you say it did um like maybe I just I mean if he can't have that ultimate warrior energy inside this game he doesn't need that the physique he doesn't need you can't grow a foot right um but if he can't be moving around the ring like the ultimate warrior moved around during his entrance like, uh, this guy needs to go back to the drawing board and, and try to figure out what what he needs to do. Well, it works on the indies when he's working with guys like... It works ironically Dan, on the indies, Dan, Yeah, Dan the Dad and Dan Housen and, you know... He can go to Chikara. It, like, if he's going to work like this, he can go to Chikara. If well, he's not gonna anymore, do th- he can't. Well, okay, yeah. <laughs> you, you, okay, he can go to comedy wrestling, wherever that might occur at some point in the future. But he's going to have to work with a lot more fire, energy, stiffness, snugness, yeah. all of the above to be this guy if he's going to be this size. Yeah, I, th- I think it was just for me. I had never seen him before. I had heard things that he was No, really- I've been hearing the hype, but I had not. This was my first exposure to him, too, and boy, was I unimpressed. Yeah, I, I'm, and that's, I, I, it's not to, it's not to demean him. It's just, maybe it's just my raised expectations. I'm really trying not to 
I'm really trying not He's to bury He's getting this guy. a championship title match as an introduction on the second biggest wrestling product in the cool. United States of America on TNT, a major network. And and giving Cody or Cody giving him all that offense. That just yeah. wasn't impressive. I just so I, I mean it's it's a spot, and you know if he's getting it, and it's not someone else. Yeah, like uh, I do, you know. And you also then stack him up to the other people who've had Cody Rhodes style matches, and Warhorse was just simply not up to snuff compared to Ricky Starks or compared to Eddie Kingston. Another pet peeve of Jeff Hawkins on this show: if you are a professional wrestling company and you are going to build to a big title match. At a big major event, you cannot act like it's a foregone conclusion if you're having smaller title matches in between. See MJF versus John Moxley, where John Moxley is also defending his title next week against Darby Allen. Yeah, right, and he still has the upcoming main event against the Taz people, too. You, so, ha- you have to build it as, I will be fighting whoever the champion is at this place. You cannot do the John Moxley, I'll see you here, because John Moxley might lose the title next week, and we need to be able to buy into that. It, it, it just, that WCW and WWF were both big on that in during the Attitude Era. It'd be like, well, we know Stone Cold and The Rock are going to be fighting at Survivor Series, but this week Stone Cold's defending against the Road Dog. It's like, well, what if Road Dog wins? Yeah, no, well, it wouldn't be, okay, so it wouldn't be The Rock or what, well, okay, so, you know, you're right, yeah, yeah, no, 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 I'm like, no, I'm not knocking that, I was then, I, then I saw what you're doing with Road Dog here, no, that's the huge problem here, so you've got, like, three, three things going on at the same time, and, like, the intrigue is obviously gone, because now I know that Moxley's on a collision course with MJF, so they might as well, like, Darby Allen might as well not have the match, or, like, if I were them and I was booking next week you just don't actually don't have moxley pin darby allen have it end undecisively because he is interrupted by uh whoever he's going to feud with next right um i think it's cage right have cage and taz's people come down and beat up darby allen or whatever and then have mjf attack moxley and like you leave allen and moxley with unfinished business my other problem though here is so you've got MJF working an election angle. Now you've got Jericho working an election angle. Like, 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 come on. At least powwow. You only need one of these things going on in the show. You don't need everyone doing a debate or, like, a campaign. Verbal debates. I don't want those. Also, those are always terrible. Like, those are always... That's the other, I mean, other sin here is, like, I don't want to see this... Jericho and Cassidy, like, the fact that Jericho keeps coming out in the orange coat, it's not actually getting orange Cassidy more over. It frankly just makes the feud seem lower stakes. Like, Jericho is angry that he has orange on a jacket because he's too stupid to change his jacket. Yes, he's been wearing it the whole time. Right, which, and, like, they all can smell him, which make, I mean, and the, you know, the inner circle is... Are they the top faction in AEW uh, on the heel side? Yes. Yeah, right. And like they come off as this comedy act. Yeah, and it's 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 WWE derivative. All of that, all that time never time never moves. It's just Chris has been wearing that suit for the last two weeks, and you just I'm. There's a spoiler out there about the debate and who's showing up to moderate it. 
don't search it out if you don't want to know, but it's fairly easy to find, so just stay off the internet till Wednesday. We're not going to spoil it here. Chris, we did have another WWE former talent show up on the show. Ariane Andrew, the former Cameron, the other Funkadactyl, is in this made-for-YouTube women's battle bowl type thing. Chris, do you remember what Cameron's most famous moment is in WWE? Uh, she botched that pinfall. Yes. That's like Naomi. the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Naomi. She was she trying to pin. To she was trying to pin her, and Naomi was face down, and she's yelling at the ref, "Count it!" And the ref's like, "Ah!" I actually, I take that back. Her most famous moment might be the tough enough thing where they ask her favorite match, and she says, "Melina versus Alicia Fox." Yeah. <laughs> didn't she break somebody's nose too? I think so. I think you're right on that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, those are three classic moments. When, when someone recalls your career and we can recall three iconic moments such as that, I think it says a lot about the talent level we're discussing here. I, you know, there's so many women on the indies who, who could use this spot, and I just, I think I think they're going to go cutesy with it. I think they're going to do the, the, the Naomi spot and then have Nyla kill her. I, I just think it's going to be that kind of battle bowl type thing. I, I'm... I'm I'm it, it's weird because this sense of humor is coming through on in every program now where it's very self-aware of of itself in wrestling history and I'm I'm I just I don't know. No, they're shattering the AEW universe to get to these kind of lazy, ironic, winky jokes. And rather than actually building the environment, like that gets lost. Like, here's a good example. Arn Anderson, he is all over the place right now. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You've got Arn in the Cody and Matt Cardona angle, which uh, with the Dark Order. Um, that's going on and, you know, Arn's outside and Matt's, you know, pounding the fist with uh, them. But then Arn's also introduced as FTR's negotiating assistant guy. Like that, that's a weird little switch like that. And I don't think it necessarily is a good fit. Yeah. Um, one thing I did like on AEW that a lot of people may not have, I really liked, um, how do I put this? Uh, Stockholm Syndrome Colt Cabana. I I loved him on commentary during that during that match. I loved that tag match, by the way. I, I really like... I love Uno and Stu Grayson a lot. Um, I think they're vastly underrated as a team. Uh, but four- that was another title match that had the WCW-WWF mm-hmm. syndrome where it, like you just absolutely did not bite into this title defense at all. No, but, but Colt was great. Oh, the Dark Order has been treating me well. I love it. <laughs> it just, uh, it's a good usage for Colt. I, 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 I'm, I'm interested in, in his story at least. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think having Colt in the Dark Order, which has sort of a necessary lack of personality, Colt is the guy who doesn't quite fit in. And is this going to be like a sting in the horseman thing? Or are we actually going to get Colt Cabana? Something like that. Cult Cabana, is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, C U L T. Yeah, Cult Cabana. <laughs> I needed to put over the joke there. Um, yeah. yeah, I uh, is there anything else on AEW that struck your fancy? Um, Sheeta versus Diamante was uh, Raj, the state of the industry thing. I also this. I like. I MJF. thought MJF. I thought what? 
I liked him. Good. Yeah, I though I liked him a lot. I thought he did a really good job handling this, and like like it was right on the right side of being referential to what's going yeah. on in the industry and in politics without obliquely hitting on anything too much and not it, like it was it was very very upper level stuff from MJF that it's just a darn shame that Jericho's got this concurrently running debate stuff like like everyone else needs to clear out of MJF's lane if he's going to do the politics thing because he can do it dexterously he's good at it so far like this went well and I think that you know the campaign replaced Moxie or whatever I'm into that that's fine I, I just everyone else needs to lay off the election stuff and just give that to MJF as his lane yeah I agree and I think you're you're right on the uh the right quote unquote kind of meta comedy or insidery references and things like that. Cause he's doing it. He's not doing it to get the, the pop of the laugh. He's doing it to get heel heat. And there's a difference in that. There's a difference. Just, just like there's a difference between being obnoxious to get yourself over kind of, and being obnoxious to get heel heat. Like, uh, the nonsense that is uh, Bailey and Sasha, uh, <laughs> just just a great week of being obnoxious for Bailey on social media and otherwise. I, I she's just absolutely great. But yeah, you're right. Um, and then and then the main event, I like. I just don't think that you needed to have MJF lead into this main event between Moxley and Darby Allen because it just made it so clear that Brian Cage and Ricky Starks were not winning this main event. <laughs> and I'd argue that they actually probably should have. Liked the Starks promo before the match. Uh, a few timing issues there with the opening theme. I, I, I saw what they were trying to do, and I liked it. I, I think Starks had to take that uh, take that skateboard bump as a result of the thing, as opposed as, as kind of a, I won't say punishment, but uh, look, he stiffed Darby pretty bad You get receipts week. in wrestling. Receipt. Rece- receipts happen. Absolutely. No, that I'm fine a, with that. That's a hell of a bump to take, though, man. His back Ooh, was messed yeah. up after that. But I like this team of Cage and Starks. I still would have had the heels go over just because mm-hmm. this is the blow off and like it, that it also, but then you don't get to the Moxie Darby Allen thing, but then I'd also argue you don't need to get to the Moxie Darby Allen thing because you just tease that Moxley is cruising to a match against MJF. And if it was Darby Allen versus MJF, there'd still be heat on that program, but it'd be so weird to have Darby Allen beat Moxley after MJF just cut this extended promo about how Moxley is this Stone Cold Steve Austin, like like they just they showed too much of their hand here earlier in the show. Uh, they they need to think about the universe, think about this show from front to back. Don't let stuff overlap. And there's like they need to cut down on the multi man matches uh, because they just get too all over the place. Stunt show. They get too yeah stunt, stunt show, show stuff. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, Marco's stunt in that opening match was just, it was so gratuitous and over the top. He wasn't even in the match. Like, why Why do you need to interject an 11th man into this matchup? Yeah, we already have 10 people. 10, you, you have 10 11th. people. Yeah, you need an 11th. <laughs> this you one know, goes you know, to 11. There's just none of wrestlers in this match. We need to add a few more here. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so where to next? Shall we go to Raw? Chris, Sasha Banks is your WWE Raw Women's Champion. How do you feel about this stupid babyface syndrome finish? I thought that this finish was 
unbelievably stupid, uh, especially since they had given so many different ways out of it. And like this match was good, but it was such a good match, dude. It was such a good match. It just made no sense to have Oscar get that emotional about her friend Kyrie Sane, who is not just like an innocent bystander backstage, just minding her own business and living her life. She's like a former NXT women's champion, a former tag team champion, and a member of the Kabuki Warriors who's been in countless brawls with Bailey and Sasha. So, like, why would one of them attacking her backstage force Asuka to get emotional to the point where she would, like, lose her title that she didn't actually lose at Extreme Rules, why wouldn't she be laser-focused on that? Why wouldn't Kyrie say to Asuka, you know, don't worry about me tonight, just focus on getting your title back, it's your title, or something to that effect? You gotta kind of do, and I didn't like this at the time either, but man, if that's the way you're gonna get out of this thing, you gotta do the whole, um, who was, it was, it, it was Edge and Christian, wasn't it? Where they have the head in the chair... And, and Orton, I think, is involved in this angle, too. I can't remember the angle per se, but it's... Oh, it was like seven or eight years ago. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. no, it was it was a Christian. It was a Christian angle, and, and Orton gets Edge and puts Edge in a chair, and Christian has to relent because he's worried about Edge's well-being. Yes. Yeah, you have to have that kind of... Bailey has to be such a homicidal maniac, and she has to be doing this on the ramp. You know, not not backstage, but on the ramp. In front of Oscar right there saying, I'm going to basically paralyze your friend if you do not quit right now. And then it kind of works because it gets Bailey over as just the most vicious woman on the roster. And, of course, Oscar goes, okay, no title's worth this kind of thing. Right. No, there has to be a clear moment where we can understand from Oscar's perspective why she would say the title's not worth this. Yes. But that that is not what was on our television no, you screen. Had, you basically had a basic beatdown in the yeah, back. Yeah, backstage beatdown. That like in every title is worth a, a basic backstage beatdown. It's never been the case that it hasn't been. Especially, God forbid, if you write in that hey, the title makes you make more money, so you want to continue to be able to make that money. Okay, I'll go help my friend later. I know that's that's not the most babyface thing to do, but yeah, but my this, friends but are professional. Not, they're a grown adult. Blah blah blah. And Bailey's not a, a sociopath just yet. Um, <laughs> be nice if she were, but you know, do you expect Bailey to really, you know, cripple Kyrie Sane? No, she's an obnoxious weasel. She's not a she's not a vicious weasel just yet. But if you wanted to turn her into that, this would have been the angle to do it. Yeah, no, I, I think what needed to happen here was the next evolution of Bailey and Sasha's characters, and not just merely Sasha now has the belt. We needed some additional characterization. Yeah, now now comes protective time. We're getting the belts, and we're going to keep them by any means By necessary. any means necessary, yeah. exactly, exactly. No, I, I agree with that, I, but, you know, uh, <laughs> the nonsense was strong today. On, on SmackDown with, with Bailey and Sasha. I liked that match. I like what they're doing with Nikki and the eventual turn. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I guess I was right about the Bray Wyatt and Alexa oh Bliss thing. Oh, yeah, oh. I, I did see that coming. And also, I will say, I feel pretty confident about the Hangman Page and FTR turning on Hangman Page angle eventually. Yeah, I think like they the, turn on Cody, too. I think, I think it's one of those things where they bring in maybe... MJF 
and Sean. Oh, so Spears. they turn on and they turn on Arn, and yes. that's when they side up with Tully. Yes, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I think I think Arn's a red herring in this thing. I see. I see. But, okay. Um. Yeah, I. Alexa's gonna have to be saved by Braun. I, that's that's what I'm. Well, thinking. yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, and once they, I mean. Once they introduced that at Extreme Rules, uh, I mean, it was kind of a foregone conclusion. Nikki turning on Alexa is interesting. If it happens, um, it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet, and that's true. They can always, you know, abandon ship, and they have a, a, in the past. Uh, I think another interesting wrinkle here is pairing Nikki with Bray Wyatt, bringing, you know, Nikki's craziness into the Bray Wyatt universe. I thought eventually they're going to turn Alexa on Nikki. Where it's just like, look, I've been caring for you for this long, but I'm tired of this getting abused like this, so just whack her in the face or something like that. I I, I see where they're going with this, and Nikki can play heel. She did it with Sanity quite well. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, I want. Yeah, okay. Teamer. You can Braun. go. You can go a number of different directions. I I will I'll give them this. This beat that they have ended the show on SmackDown. Like I, you know, obviously I don't love the Fiend stuff, but one thing that they do have available to them right now is they can write. The Alexa Bailey, or I'm sorry, the Alexa Nikki split in either direction right now, and it's plausible, which is which is a good place to be for a writing team. Um, I I will say this: it's like Andrade and Angel Garza and the Viking Raiders and Ricochet. It, like if I never see those guys have a match against each other ever again, it will be too soon. Get to that in a moment. I want to finish up the women's angles first because. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the women's division is kind of uh, it, it's it's in search of something. Um, we had the Nia Jax Shayna Baszler brawl. Um, Nia looked bad, just looked yeah. terrible yeah. in this. Yeah, looked like she was blown up from the get go. Did not have upper body strength to lift Shayna over that rope. Punches <sighs> looked terrible. Did not, didn't even do like a proper flip for the beal. She doesn't exude the monstrous toughness yeah. that her character requires. And, and you know, if not now, when? Exactly. I'm, I don't have a lot of high hopes. I don't want Shayna giving too much offense, but it looks like that's going to be 50-50. Um, we had a rekindling of the uh, Sonya Deville, Mandy Rose feud on SmackDown tonight. I loved this angle. I thought it was great and vicious up until the point that they go right back and Miz fresh off of losing to Biggie and John Morrison are doing friggin' hair jokes. Yes, they do an endless amount of hair jokes. Like like they take the edge off of oh this. It, theoretically, it going after... I actually really like the going after Mandy's looks thing because you can also then use this to deepen the Mandy and Otis relationship thing where, like, Otis doesn't care what Mandy looks like. You know, I you have a do- concern, Chris. Okay, and, what and do here, you think's here, happening? Here, here's what it is. Okay, look. Shaving people's heads and taking hair for trophies, long-established wrestling trope. Sure. The one in my wheelhouse is, of course, the Jimmy Boogie Woogie Man Valiant one where they cut his hair and Shaska Watley is is running around with the ponytail. You a bald-headed geek! You know, that kind of stuff. I think we're getting single white female out of Sonya Deville. I think she's going to have a blonde wig next week made out of the hair. 
I mean that that'd be interesting. Um, I mean she has also uh, like uh, they were shaving her extensions. They were not yeah. actually shaving her real hair there. So I mean, but th- it was there's... a nice vicious angle. She was no, it her was in the good. Face, drawing... Yeah, it was we're good. No, I yeah, I like it. It had heat to it. And then well, let's go to Kayla Braxton right now, and she's just standing there letting them do their little wacky knock knock jokes instead of pulling the microphone away and going, "Hey, can you guys be serious for a moment?" Well, I and I, I we need to it. focus more on Mandy too. Mandy yes. needed to be really felt really violated there. Like we really need to get into like Mandy's sense of like violation. She didn't feel like herself. She, you know, was like it bothered. We need to really process like the injury to Mandy because it wasn't a physical thing. Having you know part of your hair shaved off or whatever doesn't hurt you but it does hurt you and we really needed to get that over and when you've got Miz and Morrison over there going oh it's just hair it's sheer terror but like you are turning it into it's just hair instead of actually someone's appearance is you know the thing that they see in the mirror every day also hair takes a long time to grow out and so like when you say it's just hair you know could take a year and a half to grow hey, that. How about, you, how about you go into the marketability of someone? And, right. And you actually yeah, talk a, about anything. that on the air. Sure, yeah. Yeah, and she, I mean, she could, at her and Otis having an actual candid conversation backstage about, like, will people like me if I'm not beautiful? That yeah. sort of thing. And Otis has to, like, rebuild her. Like, they're really interesting places to, to go. Yeah. yeah, they're really, I mean, they just need to stop with the Otis is the Kool-Aid man crap. R- We're going on a date. Oh, she's going to be a it's, peach it's with whipped cream, with chocolate syrup. Oh, yeah. It's Kool-Aid Man meets Rain Man. It's so... <laughs> <laughs> Let's yeah. go play Blackjack. Yeah. <laughs> I like cherries. <laughs> Only on Sundays. Only on Sundays. Split those aces. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then uh, the only other one was... Uh, I don't know how you felt about this. I'm actually kind of interested. It's a minor story, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on the uh, on the Lacey. Oh, well, I guess we could do the Ruby Riot thing, but no, the Lacey Evans uh, Naomi hashtag wars. Because to me, it felt like Vince kind of mocking it and saying we're gonna do what we do, or I'm gonna put it on TV just to sate you geeks. It, it felt like a shot across the bow, but. Well, I kind of dug the match. It's it's a fine little mid-card feud. If you're going to build up Naomi eventually to go up against Bailey, it's a good start. And I thought, yeah, Lacey, was, yeah. I thought Lacey was perfectly obnoxious here. I, I had no problem with the, I want my own hashtag, give Lacey another chance. You know, I, I get, you know, I, I get that it builds heat for the, uh, you know, against the internet community. And there's always those times they tweak them. Like, I loved, I loved the, the, uh, the promos. At the beginning of SmackDown, I thought that was a great presentation by them. Yeah, I look. I I think that they have found a way to heat up Naomi, Vince, and Corey Graves can't help. And Corey is you know the voice of Vince on commentary mm-hmm. at this point, or he knows how to tell the jokes that Vince likes to hear. They very clearly are making fun of the online Twitter activists who think, you know, they're accomplishing something great yeah. by tweeting Naomi-related hashtags or whatever, and also claiming it all as a work, too. So, like, the other conceit here is there was nothing organic about it. We were working you this whole time, and you guys just fell for it. Yeah, um, yeah so, I, I mean, but 
I think all of that aside, people have bought into the storyline as much as people are going to buy into anything, right, um, these days, especially with WWE product. And if it gets a sense of momentum going for a Naomi title shot against Bailey or Sasha, either one of them or both of them can carry Naomi to a good match. Before we get back into Raw, you kind of brought up something, but, you know, you can always tell to me at least, and I think we're all in on it by now, anybody who listens to these kinds of podcasts, Vince will give his opinion through angles. It's obvious he is not a fan of bare feet on wrestling. Oh, yeah, no, no, he clearly hates Riddle's bare feet. Like, it, yeah. The one that stuck out to me, though, today, he is obviously not a fan of things like Alcoholics Anonymous. Because yes. he was mocking the hell out he of the views higher that, power He views gimmick. it as weakness. Yeah, no, he views yeah. all that stuff as weakness. That Like, I, Vince, here's my vibe on him. Vince thinks that if you have a drinking problem or a drug problem, you just got to stop doing it. He's like, Control it's the... Yourself. It's the Nancy Reagan just say no sort of approach to drinking and drugs. Like, well, you just don't do it. Just don't buy it. Like, don't don't go and buy the cocaine. Duh. Uh, like, not, not getting that there's deeper layers going on there. And, like, you know, what drives Jeff to drink and drugs? Like, I, I don't know, but it's deep. Like, you know, it's deeper stuff. And, and, you know, why did Matt end up one way and why did Jeff end up a different way? And they had the same background and everything, you know? Like, it's there's deeper stuff going on there. And Vince doesn't get it, and he very much finds Jeff's struggles. They're, they're an annoyance to him. And so this is his way of venting. Yeah. about how Jeff's struggles <laughs> through the years have created inconveniences for him when he's trying to he book his television program. He has to go away again? Program. Damn Yeah. <laughs> Why can't he just stop drinking so I can book him in the ladder match where he falls off through the scaffold? Oh, Doesn't he care about his health? Yeah, and, uh, you know, you just kind of figure Seamus being right back, smiling and being snarky on after a bar fight. Eh, that, that angle didn't mean anything. Moving on. And you're right. Just like, really? I mean, right when they did the half character, you kind of knew that like this angle was done and it meant nothing because it wasn't like Hardy was pivoting into being whatever. I don't even remember what his face paint looked like last week. I was, it was gray. I remember there's some gray in there. Really good wrestling on SmackDown, I thought, too. AJ and Grand Metalik was pretty damn good, I thought. But Fine, but foregone conclusion. No, yes. You know, you, you didn't, uh, that's the problem with that. Uh, then, they also they have like a tournament going right now, too, to determine a number one contender. Do they? I thought they did. I don't think so, but man, it was, uh, boy, it, it was something to watch Biggie have problems with the Miz when you're trying to build a Biggie as a big deal in the singles thing. He should have just run through the kid. I'm sorry. Yes. I like Miz. No, no, I, I completely, well, the way they've been presented, if, if Miz had been kept relatively strong and, and the Miz match was kept a certain way, that'd be one thing, but like Miz works a very Miz match, uh, very middle of the road. There's not, he doesn't do a lot as, as a heel, you know, he's going to do the backbreaker into the neck breaker. You know that he's going to do his cl- awesome clothesline in the corner there. And he'll, he'll go for a figure four spot at some point. But to your point, if we're building up Big E 
for a real singles push here, and we want to make him credible. He needs to blow through Miz, and the real money match is you go with the worker of those two, which is Morrison. And Morrison needs to watch Miz get demolished and go, oh. And Miz needs to then do what Miz has done in the past to Morrison and go like, well, he won't do that to you, buddy. You're the best. You're, you're the real work. You know, all that stuff. And shine up Morrison and then have Biggie cut through Morrison relatively quickly, too. Yeah, I just I look. I get you can you're. It's weird with only Miz. They seem to play into the whole mythos of well, he was a WrestleMania main eventer, and you know a, a blank time champion. And and that's a- fine if they actually make that mystique happen in the match too. Uh, but Miz does not wrestle like. Uh, an elite level former champion. He's Miz not a guy wrestles. Who should be manhandling Big E in any way. He wrestles like an intercontinental champion, yeah. like a former a former IC US level champion. Well, he wrestles like a guy who's clever as opposed to has skill, and that's that's fine for the character. It's just one of those things where you know this is where you need him to be Weasley heel to get the uh, to get the upper hand because he couldn't oh, possibly yeah. beat. Biggie one on one, and then you and no, just it should have been Biggie all about him. the leg throughout the yes. entire match. Like, like Miz should have been going for chop blocks that Johnny should have been interrupting and getting chop blocks, and you know, messing with Biggie's leg. And the story of the match should have been Miz is targeting Biggie's leg because Miz thinks that the only way he's going to be able to get the win or hit the uh, not the final cut. What's this finishing move? Uh, whatever it is, the, the only way he can hit that reverse STO is by tripping out kind of a bum wheel situation because Biggie's base is too wide on his two feet. He'll never be able to hit his uh, whatever his finishing move is. Yeah, the no, he gets, right you know, lock up, gets thrown around for a bit, yeah. realizes he needs to have a strategy here and acts a strategy. You put over the strategy and then eventually Biggie just kills him. And I, I, that's the way to do it. But this one was just like, man, Biggie squeaked past the Miz. I'm just like, this is this is your introduction. This match should have gotten over a facet about Big E's single push. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say, for me, it would have been the defining characteristic of his strength. So there would be a situation where Big E's in peril in a submission hole, like the figure four. And Big E's escape is something that showcases his strength. Like, he does a, he turns over the figure four, but doesn't just turn it over. He does a push-up and then climbs himself up off of the ropes. Or, you know what I mean? Like, really uses his massive upper body in a way that, like, we have not seen. It's just a fancy escape. There's, like, nothing to it. But we really need to get over the idea that this guy is stronger than other competition. And Miz needs to realize that he's been underestimating Big E. And by proxy, we all live vicariously through Miz and experience that underestimation. Go, ah, yes, Big E has something more to offer. Um, like the way he did when he first debuted with... Uh, God, remember the match that he had with Rusev like six or seven yes. years ago? That was crazy. Yes, like, where they're throwing the each big... other around. Yeah, yeah, dude, like that. <laughs> that was a gold standard match from the last decade. I like that match. I mean, match. I, I want him to, you know, look, I know we argue over this all the time with WWE fans versus quote unquote wrestling fans. I wanted to get wanted him to get rid of the cutesy New Day stuff. He can keep he can keep the intro, but I wanted him to be a little bit more focused. Why is he log rolling? I mean, yeah, no, absolutely. Like, like here's the thing. I don't. He doesn't need to get rid of the music, but I didn't need to see all the New Day logo stuff when he came out this time. It should have said Big E. Yeah, like it, yeah, make him yeah. Big E. Make him a little reticent about not having a tag team, but he's been there before and he's been a singles guy. 
and then just have him finally snap into focus eventually. I don't. Yeah, mean, and have him say he's representing the new day, or even I have don't you want, know. I don't want yeah. Biggie's here to have fun. No, the log roll down was like like it's it's a silly thing for a man that size to be doing anyways. And like I get that there's whimsy related to that for the kids or whatever, but like. If you're trying to present him as a main event level talent, like the big show does not log roll down as his entrance. The Undertaker does not log roll down as his entrance. Goldberg does not log roll down in his entrance. Like you, when Drew McIntyre it likes to have fun, maybe too much, but even Drew McIntyre does not log roll down. Like this is not what you do with top level powerhouse guys. Particularly if they're heels, but even if they're baby faces, Big E is not here to have fun right now. If you're, That's present- how yeah, if going. you're presenting them to us, like, look, we you need to get invested in this singles run of Big E. That's not the time to say, well, people like Big E for the for the New Day stuff. We should have people do still that. love the pancakes, though, man. <laughs> Just yeah. <I'm- laughs> um, the men's side on Raw is a mess. Because it's basically everybody's beating the same people they've been beating for the past two months. A forever feud between the tag division that I mentioned earlier, Andrade, the Viking Raiders, and Dom oh, but, Ricochet. But Chris, it's different because this week Andrade and Angel are on the same page, and it's Zelina that's not. That was the same way it was three weeks ago, which was different <laughs> from the two weeks ago and the week prior, but like it runs in this circle because there's only three of them in this angle, Jeff. There's no, this isn't going anywhere. Randy Orton's not coming in and breaking them off. No one's doing anything with them. No one really cares about them. They're not really credible talent or credible challengers for the belt at this point. Like, they're good wrestlers. Obviously, we like both of them a lot, uh, particularly. I really like Angel Garza, but like, I just, it's, it's so nonsense. The Viking Raiders, like, they're fine, and and I even enjoy the friendship that they have with the Street Profits. I think that it it's nice to see baby faces getting along, and it creates a different energy that's still fun as an audience member. You like seeing bros being bros, friends being friends. Like it's fun. Uh, you know, I liked that they came. I liked that they came out in the Viking Profits T-shirt. I thought that that was actually cool. Um, just reminding us that like you know they're friends and they're collegial or whatever. Um. But the matches are all the same. Um, a uh, Buddy Murphy having a match with Umberto Carrillo, fine. But like that, just feels like we're going around in circles with this. Dominic's attacking uh, Seth and Seth Buddy Ron- Murphy yeah. again. But like again. you know, you know what I mean. Like, and I know that this is escalated, but it feels like this is going on this like really long circle. Um, Alistair got his eye poked this week. Yeah. Yeah. Although there's a little bit of reticence with Buddy. It's like, wait, I have to do it? Yes, you know. Right, right. What what happened to Austin Theory again? Like, why is he no longer part of this angle? Uh, I believe it might have to do with allegations. Oh, okay, okay. But don't quote me on that just yet. No, yeah, I know they like, they wrote him out of the angle at some point, didn't they? No. Uh, or did no. they? No, no, they didn't write him out. He just, he just disperred about from yeah. the angle. Okay. You have- yeah, no. Yeah, but, like, not having him around, I think, sort of interrupted the mojo of this. But, like, you kind of have to decide which way you're going with Buddy Murphy then. If it's just left to him and we've been kind of stuck in this, either Murphy is going to, you know, go past the master here or the master is going to get fed up with Murphy. One of those two things has to happen. All right, hold on. Before we go to more negativity, i got to watch this gif of uh, Bailey dancing on the SmackDown team. 
Well, and while, while you're watching this, let me teeth. let me just say this, Jeff. This is as good a place to say it as any. I think it's uh, fantastic that the wrestling community is finally discovering that which I here at Shake Them Ropes have known for a long time, and that is Eric Watts and his fantastic <laughs> wrestling talent. Um, the f- finger pistols. Oh, you all think it's cool now this week in 2020? Who's been talking about that for over a year? Your boy, where Novi. He's, where he's dressed as a giant... Hardy boy from Surf. I have from been the talking about Hardy Eric Watts for a while now. And like the pew 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 spots are some of my loudest pops whenever I watch those matches. So if you want high wattage, if you want to see a trendsetter, a visionary in action on the air, live, writing music, like writing great songs on the air, no less, too, and reviewing great wrestling, uh, high wattage over at. The Shake Them Ropes Patreon. Patreon.com slash Shake Them Ropes. It's the first of the month. Kick in a buck. You get all that premium content that's been there for ages, and we update sometimes. High wattage never gets stale, baby. The power <laughs> is forever. <laughs> Tap into the power. That's uh, what I, I say. Get Hayabu- the high wattage. I saw a Hayabusa Jinsei Shinzaki clip. I was like, oh, remember that show we did about that him? Oh, man. That, there's, that, that guy's my jam, dude. Yeah. I'm um, like... I like him. Boy, that that push of uh, Ali lasted two weeks. Wasn't that fun? Yeah. I I mean, this gets back to the non-narrative. Cedric, Ricochet, Mustafa Ali. You know what they are? They're they're the kids at that table in Animal House when you're introducing people. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're the face versions of Andrade and Angel Garza. Like, like, yeah, they're they're just, you know, that's that's what they do on this show. You've met our smaller wrestlers, haven't you? Ricochet, Angel, Andrade. They're they're here to put people over. (laughs) I just wish we had a weaving narrative storyline thing, but, you know, we're not going to get that. What is it, the Hurt Company? Is that what they're called? Hurt Business. Hurt Business. Not the Hurt Locker. Not the Hurt Locker. I almost called them the Hurt Locker. Um, I Not like the Foot Locker. Him. I like them as a stable. I'm glad. I that, like them as a stable. I'm glad they got away from the Nation of Domination stuff. That's why Mark Henry was there. Was was a oh yeah, and Ron Simmons too during those vignettes. It was like they were really thinking about going hard, and that I hope they don't go that way. I like, I like, I love. Grizzled you know what I like about Shelton. MVP. MVP will put his foot down on stuff, and like he he's not gonna get. Uh, he's not, he's not gonna, stupid. Right. No. He. Right. Right. He's. He's smart. He's a good. He's a good businessman. He's not, not just Robert as his character. Stone, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got my foot run over with a tank. Let's make a three-week angle out of that crap. No. He's. But there but on, he he's taking care of his character too. Yes. I mean that's the other thing you can say about Robert Stone. Is Robert Stone like the guy? The actor is not actually taking care of his character. And when you don't do that, then you like. It's going to be very easy to blow off Robert Stone at some point. Whereas I think, you know, what MVP has done is he's found a nice he's found a nice little stable thing here. Like he always finds a nice niche for himself and he's a very welcome addition to this show. Him and Bobby are magic and Shelton is yes. such, Shelton yes. has always needed a mouthpiece or someone with him to play off of. And mm-hmm. I I, mm-hmm. I I love his role here. He's kind of He's he's kind of the enforcer of the group, and I dig that because man, Shelton is so great when he's motivated. But man, and MVP he, can fill in all the like. I always I agree. MVP and Bobby Lashley, there's it's just one of those dynamic duos where like, yeah, one's I would have loved Leo Rush with this crew. Yes, absolutely. Like having MVP trying to like trying to get some sense into Leo Rush, and Leo Rush is the loose cannon. Like, yeah. and yeah, no, I I mean. Yeah, MVP's great. I, I, I'm i a very, very strong supporter. 
Yeah, and you know, through this all, we're getting uh, Randy Orton and Drew. Yeah, right. So I like that. They've done a nice job yeah. building up Randy Orton to that point. It just, you know, the Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre match, like this was not I did not need to revisit this extreme rules match. I just thought the promo was I I like Randy. I'm just tired of the you'll never see the RKO coming. It's like okay. <laughs> and it also made the the main of it just like on AEW Dynamite. The, the, again, the the biggest problem with AEW in a lot of cases is that they mirror WWE's product here. So it's not like I'm choosing one side or the other. But the biggest problem is you got Orton. He comes out and cuts that big promo. So we know what we're looking for in this main event. And it's not for Dolph Ziggler to pin Drew McIntyre. Yeah. Yeah, it is for Randy Orton to come out and hit that RKO. And when's it going to occur? Is yeah. it going to occur before the finish or after the finish? Yeah, we're, we're all way ahead of him. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's one of those things. Yeah. Uh, anything else on the main roster this week that I may have missed? I'll probably remember as soon as I hang up. But um, Let me see here. Um, Corbin and Gulak. Uh, there yeah, we Drew. go. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Let's talk it. I thought for sure that with Corbin calling him Chad, we were getting rid of the shorty G angle. But I am now further convinced that instead, we're going to get him dressed up in royal garb. And he's okay. going to be like you Squire th- Shorty G or something like that. Yeah, I, maybe he'll be, he'll be like Dave Sir Taylor. G. He's yeah. going to be Dave Taylor of the Blue Bloods type of thing. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I worry about that. I mean, the one thing I hope, my hope for Gable is he can come in, and if Corbin has to keep having matches, at least Gable can come in and do some work because... Corbin, like, in this Gulak match, dude's, like... Gulak was great. Gulak was great. And, I like, he's doing some other stuff, and he's working, like, uh, the Owen Hart-style, like, flat-back double drop kick thing. I like... Um, I like that he jumped off the top rope. I, I joked. It was like, this is an amazing emotional breakthrough for Drew Gulak. You remember that 205 live angle where he couldn't like jump off the top. He's actually paralyzed uh, in fear. <laughs> I was like, man, amazing breakthrough. Nice. That's, re- that's recall that I, I can't even handle. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so no, I, I, that may be, you know, pop a little bit, but no, like he carried Corbin through this match. Corbin is a deep six and he's an end of days. That is like his entire move set right now. It's, it's less moves than John Cena. He's a more uh, talented nine one one. Yeah, yeah, he's he's but yeah, like he, is, of, he is talented. I I I do think Corbin has something in there, and I, I wish something. There's some like okay, like like the character stuff. Like he can be a character in the ring, dude. I I don't know, man. I think it it reeks of he's just so strictly a WWE product. He yeah. only really knows how to have one and a half matches. So, I, I won't yeah, deny that. I, I I'm think here for Riddle and Gable as a match. I'm not here for too. Riddle and Gable as an angle, though. That angle is going to stink on ice. I can so the only this. thing that I like about Gable turning heel is that it opens up heel Gable versus Drew Gulak, heel Gable versus Riddle, heel Gable versus Daniel Bryan, heel Gable versus whoever. And like the idea of him being... The idea of him being so pissed off about being Shorty G for so long, and that's kind of what made him snap. Um, I would like that a lot more than this, I'm doing it for the money. It's about the money. I'm into the money. Like, like the money thing was stupid. He really should just be angry that, like, no one takes him seriously I'm anymore. I'm fine if he's a straight-up mercenary. I, I'll take that as a character because I love that character in wrestling. My thing is, 
they love the sports entertainment aspect of it. So it, I feel like this is going to be like King Booker with William Regal and, and You know that Finley. Corbin has no money. That's that's a, the thing that I'm ahead on is that Corbin's never going to pay Chad. I, so, like, the, oh. the, this is – yeah, there is no King's Ransom. I, uh, I, I had not thought of that. I mean, what do you, what do you think the ransom's going to be? What what stroke does Corbin have? What riches does he have to offer? I don't know. He buys expensive steaks, though, so I'm kind of. Uh... <laughs> is that on screen or off? He's a great cooker. That's all okay. I know. All right. Hey, look, look. You you know I'm a I'm a fan of of, of cooking. Uh, my brisket came out very well the other day. Let me just. He, tell you. He's big in the wagyu. He loves importing oh, the wagyu. Okay, all right. Like all oh, the real stuff. The yeah, real the real stuff. stuff. The yeah, yeah, not, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, you know how they, they, there's a little bit of. Oh a scam yeah, no, no, yeah. not, not. No, he's not getting the, the real leg. shit. Yeah, all right, no, yeah. He's getting the real thing. Um, right. okay, cool. Uh, um, let's go to NXT. It's for me the best program of the week. I thought. I, I, I yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Wrestling wise, this this commentary and presentation to me had a lot to be desired, and Morrow was on his nonsense. This week, I just... Morrow and Tom get in each other's way, and I've never understood pairing these two guys together. It's... Either clear the lane, let Morrow call matches, because like, part of it is he gets on his weird Morrow reference crap stuff because he's not allowed to do detailed calling because Vince hates that and he wants to tell stories, and so Morrow's version of telling stories is tell the story and then drape it in a metaphor, and the metaphors get really tedious. I just want Morrow to do the thing that he used to do when he called MMA and boxing and stuff and just, like, really get detailed about, like, how this right hook lands at this angle and, like, how he was – just that stuff. Um, and Tom doesn't – he's not a heel. He's just another <laughs> – Except com- Shotzi Blackheart matches from a couple weeks ago, yeah. From a couple weeks ago, that one week where he decided to work heel against the tank, but only for that one match. Um, and don't get me wrong, Tom. I felt you there, buddy. I wanted but him to come back and be heel against Shotzi. I would rather him be heel on this pro- – it would be infinitely more interesting. Just if have a mat he- on for Shotzi Blackheart and just, just for some reason, you know. I would almost enjoy it too if there was just a palpable tension between him and Tom or uh, Tom and Morrow. Like, like they actually just start like kind of working against each other. Like, no, just power, Morrow power can't, struggle. Morrow can't handle that. That, that's, yeah. that, yeah, you know, with, with his issues, he can't handle that. I don't think. But uh, yeah, I don't. Then, then, he, it's, he, then why Tom? You know, like I, I don't. Well, Tom is Tom is the straight ahead guy, but he's also the only guy on site of the three of them. Beth is yeah. in North Carolina, I believe, and I believe Morrow's out here in Santa Monica. And so it's one of those things where they're really trying to pick up each other's verbal cues as opposed to, you know, when you're next to somebody, it's much easier. They'll be over-talking on this podcast because I can't see that you're getting ready to talk necessarily unless I put you on Skype, and I'm not camera-ready, so I can't do that. Uh, but No, but, like, okay, so there's also a rhythm to yes. our show and like the, this is what I'm getting at with the Morrow Tom dynamic too. So even when they're on site with one another, you have two play-by-play guys stepping into each other's space because play-by-play is done at a certain rhythm and then the commentary person comes in and either gives story and background or gives characterization. Or does whatever Beth does, because I'm still not sure what she does. I, I don't under. She is the weirdest color commentary <laughs> character ever. He's really on working it. on the arm. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She's she's like <laughs> supposed to be in Dallas. Um, out here in Dallas, we have uh for the Mavericks, uh Derek Harper 
former basketball oh, yeah. player. No. Yeah, yeah, no, Derek is Harper not. Derek always looks 44. Didn't matter how old he was. Man, he's only 26. Nah, he yeah, well, you know, that, that's kind of worked in both directions for him, though. It's like one of those that's like kind of a curse when you're younger and then kind of a blessing when you're older because it just creates this weird continuity all the way up until you're about 70. Um, and so, like, but Derek Harper has that same, like, okay, thanks, Derek, and, and moving on. Yeah, yeah. so that's where Beth is kind of landing right now with her commentary work. Yeah, um... The four the, the the tag team to start off I thought was pretty damn good. The NXT women are always taken care of I think so I, I really don't worry about that. It gave a little bit of story for EO, a little bit of story for Dakota. Um, yeah, nice uh, nice little tag team. Match yeah, there. no, I mean look, especially compared to AEW, what they were running at the exact same time oh, concurrently. You I know, I mean, it. I, I really no, did. I mean, for sure. If I hadn't been emotionally committed to watching AEW and I had turned it over to NXT to see what NXT was doing. And I saw EO and Tegan were on one side against Dakota and Candice LeRae on the other side. You have four people in a regular tag team match four good qualified elite level wrestlers. EO, Tegan, Dakota, Candice, like, those are all great wrestlers. You know that they're going to have a match of a certain caliber, and they did, and it was a much better match than what was running concurrently on AEW. Chris, I am most excited. And anybody who's listened to this show while we were doing NXT UK reviews, I'm here for Ridge Holland. I want him belted. I want him belted in this in this North American title match. I think he's a guy. It, oh, they, yeah. They're no, going to have to oh, get rid yeah. of that, that Peaky Blinders gimmick of his eventually. I think that they're already kind of teasing that. No, but I I like Rich Holland a lot. I was thinking when I was watching Big E on SmackDown that I would love a Rich Holland versus Big E mm, match. That's that's sexy. Right? Got, like, that. that's a fun Hoss match that I'm very into. Give me Holland versus Brock. Give me Holland versus Bobby Lashley. Give me... Get. Yeah, Holland versus Bobby Lashley would be really fun, too. I'm oh, into that. If, yeah, if yeah. Ridge the, gets... And he should, because I think what they're doing with this North American title match is, is getting... They're building back up the undercard, because it's going to be the guys you don't think are the best that are going to get into this match. You know, it's not going to be the top-tier guys. Those are They're going to go off into feuds like you had with... Gargano and right, uh, right, Roderick. right, yeah, and then but you get Bronson rebuilt up. Yeah, you're gonna have Thatcher and Balor break off of this while Dexter Loomis goes <laughs> goes into this ladder match. But oh, we may get Ridge Holland and uh, and uh, Bronson Reed. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm into that. Bronson that. can talk. Yeah, no, Bronson can talk. And if if Ridge can do a that's little a bit of talk, big boy, to- that's a big boy, big beefy beating the hell out of each other thing and i'm here for yeah it. no absolutely like that i mean there's a real place for that and wwe as a product has vince doesn't like the blood and gut stuff so if you can't if you don't want to do that or you can't do that or whatever then where you can really get that intensity and that like that raw id thing that wrestling really lacks in a lot of cases on all of these shows People like Ridge Holland and Bronson Reed just beating the crap out of each other. I'm here for that, man. Here for that immediately. I um, like Johnny Gargano versus Roderick Strong too. I thought that was fun. I like didn't these mean two. Anything? That's the thing I didn't get. It's like you have two heels. Who am I supposed to root for here? It's weird because it's like the undisputed era 
have turned babyface, but in the strangest possible way, most notably yeah. when they four on two gang up on Imperium. And like <laughs> Imperium's decidedly the heels there, but the babyfaces, the undisputed era, show up with more numbers. I liked this Imperium Everrise match. I thought it was a cool little thing where the whole reason Imperium got the upper hand was that eye poke by uh, Marcel Bartel into the into the arm ringer, and then it just went from there. And Everrise could never really get it back on track. I, I you know I like Everrise a lot as a kind of an up and comer, and you can eventually get them in that mid card, as I like to put it, the uh, New Zealand militia spot on the team. Uh, on, yeah, on the no, I, I think it, they're interesting. Tatum, interesting. And, uh, Tatum and Victory kind of. Uh, well, it was level. interesting to have them working face this week. Yeah. Yeah, and like they really, they worked from under. Uh, the smaller guy ended up being the baby face in peril, the, the guy taking the heat, the Ricky Morton role. And they had the audience go into it, and the Everage just worked a different style in this. I like them. I, I you know, I, I'm very pro Everage. I'm interested to see. If they can either settle in as a babyface team or if they, you know, can settle in as a nice mid-card heel team, too. I, either one works. I'm with you. I'm here to see if how Imperium evens the odds. Are they going to fly Walter over? Are they going to have Alexander Wolf? Or are they just going to put Thatcher in there to help with this tag team match next week? That'll be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. No, obviously Imperium needs to even up the odds. So maybe Imperium makes you know some sort of deal with. Yeah, it seems like Thatcher would be a fit, right? Um, but yeah, they, they, they'll need to figure it out. Cameron Grimes. Well, no, I, well, I, no, I get the feeling it's going to be this. Uh, I, I think this uh, uh, Malcolm Bivens team is going to come out and ruin the tag team match. Okay, no, I'm just laughing about Cameron Grimes wanting to join Imperium. Cameron Grimes trying to join Imperium would actually be very funny. It's like a one-week angle. I Once you got past that first line of um, Keith Lee's promo, he, this was fantastic. It was just that first line was kind of that hokey WWE speak. The man who thinks sand is like hourglass. Like yeah, yeah, like yeah. like what the what? Yeah, like like what that, is that? Once that one was gone, I loved this promo. I loved Cameron Grimes in this. I know people want him to be bigger than this, but flaky heel Cameron Grimes. Y'all should be worried about me. I'm going to come right down there and stare here at it. You just... know who did this gimmick wonderfully and to great success higher levels later on was Chris Jericho 25 years ago in WCW. Yes. Like, th- this is a way underappreciated role in a television program. A lot of times people don't want to do this role because they worry it can go too far in one direction. But no, Cameron Grimes as this just overbearing cocky presence and he's got the work level this this is what made chris jericho work too 25 years ago right when he was in wcw he had the work level to actually turn in these good matches in addition to the over-the-top flakiness he's um, a perfect I obnoxious love mid-card heel that has talent and can be pushed at any time as a threat. and you believe that he could get the win because yes. of his finishing move the cave in mm-hmm. and the way they've pushed him so far and i loved that keith lee just killed him just yes friggin yeah. killed him and that's what i want out of big men i want big men who can kill people that's all I want. That's that's all I ask for. I ask for tough guys. The carrying cross thing. And you give me foot soldiers. Oh. So the carrying cross promo. I thought it was fine, but I think the cinematography. This is my note on this. 
Just zoom in on his damn eyes. Don't the, the weird eyes and then occasional mouth thing was weird and off-putting and not like in a creepy way, but like in a like why am I seeing your teeth this close sort of way. Like just zoom in on his crazy intense eyes. The guy I, looks like a combination of Stone Cold Steve Austin the Rock with like a little like dark Undertaker like sprinkled in. Just go with that. Accentuate it. I only need one emotion from Scarlet. I don't need I don't need the histrionics of acting from from Scarlet. Um, she needs to be the pallbearer to Karrion Cross's Undertaker. I think here. she has a I think she has a perfectly evil smile. I think that yeah. the first one that she did was quite good. Um, you know, last week was a bit ridiculous because dude, I, less is so much more with this act. It's not yes. that Cross is bad. It's his promos are good. The match work is good. It's the it's histrionics this, surrounding the gimmick and the sand and the clocks. Like, Yes, it's like it's it's even the way the entrance is so ridiculously over the top mm-hmm. as compared to everything else on the show. Like it's not too big for WWE, but it's like these guys are getting this like WrestleMania light entrance every time or like the way that they used to do entrances at a pay-per-view instead of like whereas everyone else, you know, Cameron Grimes just walks out with a hat on. Like <laughs> It's, yeah, but on the other hand, you know, they want Karrion Cross to be a star, so you get the theatrical treatment. You know, you get the, you know, like Undertaker takes 45 minutes to get down to the ring because, you know, you have the smoke and he's moving real slow and the music and, you know, it, they, they try and recreate that with guys that they're they're trying to take care of and that's their version of doing this. I just, you know, I, I just, the lip syncing, at least they got rid of that, but at yeah, the same yeah, time sure. it's just like... You know what? I just need the hot chick and the badass, and just walk to the walk to the ring, and and you're good. I yeah. Um, now I I think you were trying to avoid a conversation about Shotzi Blackheart and Mercedes Martinez. You're ducking it. I love me some Mercedes Martinez. I just thought Mercedes Martinez should have taken this match much more decisively against oh, Shotzi yeah. Blackheart. I mean, yeah. but it was good enough. But you understand they've also, I mean, this was not the week one opponent she should have had. This should have been no. week two. This should have been week no. two where because they built up Shotzi enough to have some credibility. Right, right. No, I you're in this like tough situation where you don't want to completely undo what you're trying to do with Shotzi Blackheart. But if you're building up Mercedes to have a match against Io Shirai, which is where we're going, right now, Mercedes should just she I came would've... out, she looked like a killer. She had like, you know, that Shayna Baszler, Queen of Spades mm-hmm. kind of vibe going on. And she should have came out there and like Shotzi should have been like, yeah, welcome to the ball pit. And like, then, you know, basically it should have been like a hockey <laughs> rink out there Do against the. again? Ah, welcome to the ball pit. <laughs> I like, think this was the week to just the give Mercedes a straight ahead squash against a local competitor. Yeah, to for sure. her. I mean, look, we already have her. She beat Santana Garrett to kind of when she came back. Okay, she's back, but we're we're trying to rebuild this Robert Stone brand hardcore, I guess. And to me, Aaliyah and Robert Stone do not mix with Mercedes Martinez. Is I think that's the story, again. though. Yeah, uh, the story is that they don't mix. I mean, and I think you're you're seeing that tell with the way that they're presenting the Titantron, where the Robert Stone placard is like sort of like this obvious eyesore from her normal entrance stuff. I love this new look for her though. I do too. No, I, I think she looks great. No, she looks like a champion. God, I'd kill to put 
put her with Shayna on the main roster right now. No, absolutely. Um, uh, no, I, I'd really, I yeah, really like long, her. As long as within two weeks this is done and she's killing Noof, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Because it's um, weird. Because I think Aaliyah's perfectly fine in this gimmick, trying to get, still try and get on Robert Stone's good side and still kind of being scared to death of Mercedes. You could see that in, in the acting part of the whole after the match where Mercedes is like, don't raise my hand. And Robert Stone's like, yes, I have a winner here. And Aaliyah's like, I'm going to be pretty. And you know, kind of thing. And you're like, okay, it's kind of working, but eventually Mercedes is just going to get tired of this crap. Right, right. No, Mercedes is using Robert Stone. And if and when Robert Stone gets in her way, she's going to get fed up with him and Aaliyah and annihilate both of them. Yeah, I think that's pretty obvious. Rhea Ripley's back to blonde. Yeah, yeah, yeah she sure is. Although it still has the punk haircut as opposed to the fitness model. I think hair. she's still got more spikes on her uh, <laughs> vest. God, she uh, is like a who wins Hellraiser. The, uh, who wins the number one contender match next week, Rhea or, or Dakota? I'm going to say Dakota wins. So I think so, you, too. I yeah, think, so I think, you get you Dakota versus back, I think EO. you don't go back to that well. Just yeah, yet. no, because we got to get to Mercedes. So I, I think what we're we're gonna have EO go over Dakota here, and that's gonna get us to the EO versus Mercedes thing. Because like it'd be very be interesting. And we have, have Ra- and we have Raquel Hernandez go in there and beat up Rhea to cause her the loss. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, so uh, oh, maybe Raquel gets e or uh, gets Dakota disqualified. Well, I don't. I, well. No, because we want Dakota to be, to win the match somehow. So oh, to beat Rhea, yeah. Okay, okay. She beats Rhea, sure. She, yeah, you know, like she gets beat up or knocked out or just. I, I was I was a week ahead of you. I was at the title match. <laughs> yeah, I, I think. Yeah. It's- no, well, I'm I'm confused because it's like obvious that we're getting to Mercedes Martinez to Io Shirai. So like, whatever's happening it's here, it's gonna you know, be a fun match. I think Io yeah. and Dakota are gonna be great together because I lo- I'm, I'm loving this heel Dakota character. But they uh, just need to stop giving away the finishes to mm-hmm. these matches with the booking patterns because you're you're just setting the table too early with some of this stuff. If I can see Mercedes on the horizon, I can't sink my teeth into Dakota. Isaiah Swerve Scott and Jake Atlas. What are we doing here with Jake Atlas? Really? I mean, I I, I know they, they signed him for a reason. I thought it was possibly this whole inclusive story type thing. They give him kind of a minor push in the, in the cruiserweight uh, round robin. And then we're just going back to, I mean. We gave you this awesome out to Jake Atlas where you turn up heel Kaiser Soze style. Yeah. <laughs> no. And, and now we're, they now didn't want to go that route. Now we're just having him lose the swerve in six minutes. And, you know, swerve. I like swerve, but, you know, the time to have pushed him was that big debut on 205 when he faced Gulak and had that great right. match. And then you, right. And then you push him as opposed to well we'll put him on the roster because he's a smaller guy and do things and i just i didn't understand that even when this brand for a couple weeks had the thought to have the cruiserweight matches open up the show which was uh, a good instinct like they've gotten away from really having a formalized cruiserweight division on nxt which is silly because is anyone still watching 205 live that half hour of power (laughs) Hey, Vic and Drew are a great 
great commentary. Don't get me wrong. Vicky Drew is actually like a really, really good commentary team. I'm not knocking like every every human being associated Man, with sure that show. Man, is all over that show right now. I'm knocking the brand as a relevant plot development I device agree. because no one cares. Yeah, it's fine wrestling. It just doesn't matter. And then you have, uh, I guess the main event was the last thing, Thatcher, Balor, and Dexter Loomis. I, you know... <laughs> The weirdest thing about this was Dexter Loomis that tapping out. Oh. What? Oh, no, thought, tapping thought, out uh, Timothy Thatcher. I thought that that really did a number on old Thatcher. And if anything, I felt like what probably needed to happen there was he sneaks one out on Balor because it'd be more impressive. But of the two people, if he's going to tap someone out, I don't even necessarily know he needed to tap someone out. He could have just gotten a pinfall. He did not need to tap out Timothy Thatcher. Well, he didn't tap him out. He, he It was one of those things where he passed out. See, they, that's how they Timothy always... Thatcher, the submission specialist who has an escape for every hold and he's been showcasing it in his Thatch and Thatch can school, cannot figure out the escape hold for a guy who has one and a half submissions. There, there wasn't out there to me, and they didn't take advantage of it. The problem here with this finish was the, was the moments where the two beats where Loomis stares at Thatcher before putting him in this hold. If Thatcher is so ha, has such tunnel vision that he's focused on Balor, to no, try Thatcher has a the, moment of recognition. That's the worst part. Yeah, that's that was the, that's the thing. If Thatcher is focused on getting Balor to tap out here, and he forgets about Loomis, and Loomis just comes in, locks in the hold, and he goes to sleep, I think that's a much better ending than what they did here. And can get out of it. But yeah, I kind of agree with you. We've been building up Thatcher as this guy who can get out of any hold. And then all of a sudden he gets put in a hold and he and he goes to sleep. And I would have been fine with it. They even sort of set the table a little bit with him doing the promo earlier in the night. But what he should have been saying explicitly is, I've been studying Dexter Loomis's hold. I, I've been looking at it. I know how to get out of this thing. Like, he really needed to put over that, like, Loomis, yeah, he thinks he's so great. Because he was like, I'm going to torture the tortured artist. It needed to be more like, this guy only knows one hold. I can get out of holds. I'm good. If you only know one hold, you know, that's great. But I know a thousand of them. You know, whatever it is. To, it, me, where- to me, the preposterous camera cuts that they obviously had to do a retake on with the somersault plancha where he lands yes. on his feet and he's looking around and everybody's like what's this weirdo like you know dude it's it's just that was a great spot for him back in tna when he was doing his sam shaw it just didn't, didn't make any sense at all for him in this match yeah i, I think this this north american title thing is going to be a island of misfit toys yeah, yeah. I, well no like the, the this whole triple threat into a ladder match kind of makes it interesting to me to be honest with you that that the guys that you think would be in this ladder match aren't i'm good i'm kind of cool with that to be honest I, i'm fine with that but the problem is so now the triple threat booking pattern is so obvious that it's going to be the person you don't expect it to be generally um like because like that's we're doing the island of misfit toys and we're building up like you know new new names and faces which is good that's what nxt is supposed to be about but the triple threat to qualify for the ladder match, to qualify for the North American title, which it's still so silly that Keith Lee just abdicated. Uh, like I, 
all the trial of ordeals stuff does not substitute for what would have just been a good quality match against Keith Lee. If like Bronson do, Reed or Ridge stupid. Holland actually beat Keith Lee, yeah. that to me would have been much more impressive. Yeah, like they're going to do something dumb like put Drake Maverick against the other two members of uh, <laughs> of that, was it, the Phantasmo legacy? Yeah, um, right, right, yeah, sure. <laughs> him win to get into this match you know who else who, who else could we put into this match that nobody would expect to get in there <laughs> just baba tunde comes out and <laughs> eats a couple guys i, I the the giant black ninja from <laughs> oh man the ninjas they're still doing the ninjas thing on the main roster look it gets bivens a payday even if it gets killed i'm fine with that that's fair that's fair he was the, he was the guy who took that who took the beating Oh, uh, was he? Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, anything else from NXT that I'm forgetting? Um, I don't think so. Uh, Damian Priest got a triple threat match. Uh, no, Boy, that was that's a bad it. promo from him. Yeah, it was. That was nothing going on in that one. No. So that next week not. the triple threat is Damian Priest, Oni Lorkin, and Ridge Holland. I think Ridge Holland's gonna run away with that one. I would I would have Ridge Holland throw Damian Priest out of the ring, just and just and, annihilate just Oni Lorcan. Annihilate Oni and pin him. Yeah, yeah. But they're not going to do that. <laughs> no, I think it, it's going to go on much longer. No, it's going to go on much longer. And I think you know, or maybe the interesting thing here is to spin off Ridge Holland and Damian Priest, have Oni advance. That would be something. That okay. That that's something I was saying about. But uh, who do you beat then? I think then you beat. Damien at that point. Yeah, it'd be Damien. I mean, you can have it and be. Maybe you have Cameron Grimes come out and hit him with a nightstick. Yeehaw! Yeah, yeah. He brings out the truncheon to Ridge Holland, and Ridge, hey, Ridge Holland doesn't have to win the match against Damien Priest cleanly. Right. Yeah. So, I don't know. That, that's that's what I'd do. Um, but yeah, is there anything else that we need to talk about here? Can we uh wrap her up? I think we can wrap it up. We've gone. Uh, Got a good hour and a half here. We sure have. You can follow my snarkiness and general retweeting of all the obnoxiousness of Bailey and Sasha, who are fantastic. At Crap Game 13, <laughs> you can follow Chris, who does political punditry in between wrestling takes occasionally. At Chris Novembrino. If you just want to know when the show's coming out, you can follow at Shake Them Ropes, part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Lots of great shows, music on the mat, everything elite. Uh, wrestling omakaze and of course the flagship with joe and rich uh, and of course high wattage well that's on the patreon that's https that's because rich and joe are scared to put high wattage out on the main feed <laughs> shake them ropes one dollar will get you uh some pretty good audio we release a little bit for free during the pandemic the uh the uh behind the scenes of uh beyond the mat but uh there's still some shows on there that i'm quite proud the andy of. kaufman one the like kaufman that was that, that was a real cool I, I did some editing on that one too yeah, that was we cool s- we still haven't given that one away we may we may eventually do some research and do another long show for that but uh hi wide will keep you uh keep you all eric watched up <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I might, I'm, I might slide in here and do some more high wattage here in a bit. You know, I'm, I'm, I might be in the mood. I, I'm Chris jazzed. may move. Don't worry about the government to the Patreon, but uh, he'll talk about his own Patreon right now. Okay, so yeah, you can um, check out. Don't worry about the government. We just did. I did a debate. Uh, not like a Chris Jericho debate. I did a debate on cancel culture, which is I the hate last. That guy. Hate that guy. Hate that guy. Pineapple Pete. Um, it, cancel Pineapple Pete. 
Um, and I also did an electoral college preview. So if you're into those sorts of things, don't worry about TV. Um, we're on Spotify. We're on uh, iTunes. Don't worry about the government. Uh, and of course, our patrons, patreon.com slash DWATG. Want to end the show today uh, with a bit of an, a remembrance here. My grandmother at the age of 90 years old just passed. And a lot of why I do what I do has to do with my grandmother. My grandmother was into two big things in her life, Jeff, especially in her later years. Um, she was into her soap operas, and she was into her politics. Does that sound like anyone you know? Um, I remember fondly in the 1996 election, this was like the, the year I really got into politics. So prior to that, in 92, as a young pup at the age of eight, I liked Ross Pro because he had big years, and so that's who I supported in the 1992 election. I, I was a sophisticated voter. I thought on the issues. Um, in 96, uh, Grandma was really into the election and everything like that, and that was uh, that was like the, the first year where I just started arguing with my grandmother about politics. Like I decided that I was in favor of Clinton, and I had no real reason other than it made Grandma upset. And you know why? Wh- what fun in life is there if not making your grandmother upset? Um, but I inherited from her uh, a passion for politics and a uh, serialized television crapola <laughs> and also um, a fondness for cooking and all of that. And um, I'm going to miss her a lot. And uh, I-, I hope that wherever she is right now, she's uh, with my grandfather and they're happy and together once again. And uh, I love you very much, grandmother.